0: to Catholic Radio Indies Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. I'm Kent Blanford. Each week, we'll bring you a sampling of some of the best Catholic podcasts being prepared and shared out there on the internet. When we talk about the seasons, we normally find ourselves discussing winter, spring, summer, fall, unless you're Catholic. Then we follow a liturgical calendar and the seasons are Advent, Christmas, Lent, the Triduum, Easter, and Ordinary Time. And even those can move from year to year in relation to the Gregorian calendar that is followed by the vast majority of the world. And when you consider that the Gregorian calendar is named for Pope Gregory, it gets all the more confusing. We as Catholics actually follow two calendars. Our first offering on today's sampler is an episode of the Catholic Talk Show with Ryan Delacrosse, Ryan Scheel, and Father Rich Pagano. In this episode, the guys explore the sometimes very confusing Catholic liturgical calendar. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we're going to be talking about a liturgical season of the Catholic Church. That's right, we're going to look at the liturgical
2: seasons, what all the colors mean, what all the feast days and solemnities are, and when you have to go to Mass and why.
3: Let's get one thing very clear. The new year doesn't begin in January. It begins at Advent. Advent. <laughs>
1: Tis the season, boys. Uh, the liturgical to be liturgical. Season. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm uh, gonna be doing a lot of listening today because I don't know a lot about it. I do know that the church starts in Advent.
3: Well, no, I'm sure you know a lot more than you than you realize because you know you've you've been a cradle Catholic and you've been exposed to the liturgical seasons from the time of your ute. So to realize, you know, being Catholic, we are a liturgical people, and liturgy means work, and we've got to be dressed properly when we go to work.
2: That's right. There's a work uniform, and I know that you're intimately familiar with that, and normally you're known for wearing black, but you've got a you got a closet full of colors like... Uh, like uh, a Broadway singer. I, you know? I'm telling you, an
3: assortment <laughs> of all sorts of colors. And there's there's some colors, too, that we're going to come to that, you know, priests wear uh, that can wear certain colors, and I don't even have that in my closet. So there's
1: still uh, colors, that, you
2: know,
3: galore that I haven't even
1: explored. It's a whole rainbow of colors, Ricky. Whole <laughs> rainbow. So liturgy means work. Liturgia, the, the Greek work, word. The work of God and, going And I, on I loved,
3: and... you know, we we had a sit-down conversation with Bishop Pohlmeier, and You know, he shared the beautiful reflection on the work, the one work, right? As it relates to the kingdom of God. Right. And that is precisely what liturgy is it is a work being done, you know, that we are cooperating with. And Mm Holy Mother Church encourages us to fully, actively, and consciously participate in that work, and that requires some study and some insight. So we hope that this show is going to provide you that insight. And before we go any further into, f- you know, greater insights, mm-hmm. those, those buttons, yeah, are, do inside. buttons site, are inside. You see, with your buttons are inside right now. You gotta click them. Right Which now? ones? I think
1: subscribe.
3: Subscribe. Which button would you push? I like
1: the bells. You like the bells? Yeah. When Rock you click the a bell, bells, what do man. you get? You get notifications when <laughs> we have new videos.
2: Yep, it's always the season to click subscribe, click like, click share. It's always the season, if you have such a generous heart, to go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Patreon and see how you can support the show, get all kinds of great gear that Father Rich is modeling right now. Hoodies, coffee cups, stickers, mm. all kinds of cool stuff. So catholictalkshow.com forward slash Patreon. I do like
3: these new generation coffee cups. I do I too. use them all the time. I
2: have like three different versions and I like them all. Yeah, yeah and you
1: could join us on our hangout too. Me and you That's sometimes right. hang out with people on the Zoom, the patrons on Zoom. We've built up a really nice relationship with a lot of our patrons. It's you know, kind of like our way of uh, not just showing our um, our gratitude, but it's our way of building the community that. But we're building online and trying to meet some of these people. Yeah, and yeah there's thinking. like such
3: a strong solidarity that's been coming out of our yeah. Patreon and a mm-hmm. strong solidarity coming out of the ministry, especially yeah. with our pilgrimages and mm-hmm. our hangouts. It's it's just awesome to see what God has formed in the Catholic Talk Show family. So we appreciate the support of the Patreons out there. We support, you know— in every respect, you know, good Catholic content. So our sponsors, Exodus and Hallow, and so many of other relationships. Everything Catholic. It's just mm-hmm. awesome to see what's happening as a result of this ministry.
2: All right. So let's jump into this episode here, and let's let's crack open this calendar and figure it out. So the Catholic liturgical calendar is a very specific thing within the church that helps us guide the liturgies. Uh, it's. Very, I mean, it can be kind of complicated because there is a lot of nuance to it. Oh, yeah. But I think at the highest level, understanding that the Catholic calendar, number one, doesn't go necessarily along with our yearly calendar, our secular calendar, although we've done an episode on that where we showed how it was actually the Pope who set New Year's Day and reorganized the calendar, which is why it's called the Gregorian calendar. Yep, as
3: opposed to the Julian calendar. Yes, that's
2: right, which the Orthodox brothers use. Mm-hmm. But the Catholic liturgical season is broken down into six primary seasons, Advent, Christmas, Lent, then the Triduum, Easter, and Ordinary Time. Now, e- Ordinary Time is broken into two, right? You have Ordinary Time after Christmas and Ordinary Time after the after Pentecost. Mm-hmm. So, six, six and a half depending on how you view it, but six different seasons, and they're all really meant to accompany us in mass to show us the life of Christ and to help teach people the kind of i guess the the temporal nature of Christ's ministry but then also tie us to the seasons of the year and so many other really great reasons
1: what's the what's the history of the liturgy in the church that we can look back to and see i mean i know i know that the 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 Jewish Israel followed some sort of liturgical seasons too mm-hmm. as well you know because you have the season of penance and are you digging back into the seminary deep roots right now oh absolutely not <laughs> i didn't <Yeah>. learn <laughs> anything there um so no uh, uh, my bishop paulmeyer has my file don't you worry uh <laughs> If you want to see it, you need the big hat. The big hat. Yeah. Like, I mean, so what is the, what, what is the history? Cause I mean, the church for 300 years was persecuted. Like, is this something that kind of arose out of a, a need to develop some sort of uniformity, some universality? Because it, that's what the church has always been really good at, is yeah. this universality. And I think it's,
3: I think it's important to recognize the fact that from the Jewish roots of the practices uh, in Judaism, um, in in the sense of what was happening within that conscientious sense of what their prayer looked like, what their worship looked like, all of what generated in the early church came from that sensibility. And but there's also a charismatic element to this too. You know, when when we look at the breaking of the bread or some of these ritual practices that Jesus instituted himself, these are things that are rooted in. Orthodox practice, orthopraxis in respect to Jesus because he is fulfilling the law. He is fulfilling what is proper. You know, the presentation of of Jesus in the temple is a a good example of this, Mm -hmm. you know. So uh, he's honoring and fulfilling all that has been in the practice of the children of Israel. And then what spawns forth is something different beautifully new That's and right. charismatic in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so when we think about liturgy, when we think about liturgy in the sense of work, and we're, and Sheil, you were, you were describing it perfectly. It's like, we're looking at the life of Christ. We're going through the, the calendar in the year, but it's like, we're, we're uncovering the mystery of who Jesus is. Well, God sent Jesus into the world And he revealed the dignity of human labor and the works of Christ on earth and his public ministry are so important to the remembrance of our Catholic practice. Mm -hmm. So seeing the works of Christ, where do we fit in? How do we work in that sense? So St. Paul shares that beautiful reflection that's so mysterious, but may I make up what is lacking in the offering of Christ? You know, God in his mercy, it's not that Jesus was uh, lacking anything. He's fully God. But in the perfection of Jesus's work, he offered us a greater participation, and when you think about a father you know who loves his child or loves his son, he's going to want his son to learn the trades and the skills and all that the father has, has stored up for his son, wants to pass that on fully. You were talking about Albacete yesterday, talking about the father from all eternity mm-hmm. and the creation of the cosmos. Can you share a little bit of that? Because I thought that was fascinating. It shows yeah. that kind of share in the work, the one work, if you will.
1: Yeah. And the reason why I, w- I was sharing that is because the Trinity is kind of hard to grasp, but yet the, there's a singularity in the in the Father and the Son, the, but they are one. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, uh, the love that the Father showers onto Jesus isn't, hey, I'm going to go send you down there and you're going to die. But it started with creation. So he mm-hmm. created through Christ as a gift to him, mm-hmm. right? So... Like that relationship is pretty profound because the whole cosmos was created Mm -hmm. in and through Christ as a gift to the son Mm -hmm. from the father, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And
3: you listened to that talk of Albacete at St. John Vianney College Seminary. So at least you remembered something. Oh, yeah. It's it's in my my file. file. It's in your file. It's in Mm -hmm. his file. Check his file, Bishop (laughs) Polmeier.
2: So kind of going back to your comment, a lot of, I guess, the maybe not the specific dates, but kind of the, the concept of calendars and feasts and time set apart does go back to the Old Testament, to the Hebrew practice. So you had things like the Feast of the Booths, you had the mm-hmm. Feast of the Weeks, the, feast of the Trumpets, you had Passover, the Feast of uh, the Atonement. So you had all these kind of feast days and that has been fulfilled in the New Testament in Christ's life. Uh, but you also see a lot of parallels like 40 days, octaves, jubilee years, right? Specific readings tied to specific days, so it's it, it's a a natural evolution once that the the covenant had been renewed, renewed through yeah. Christ. So I guess the you know the it's like how the Julian and the Gregorian calendar evolved based on the reality of the people, and I think it's also important and also what was revealed, what was revealed. It's also important to note that a lot of this is based on look. God does not need our sacrifices. God does not need our offerings. God doesn't need our feast days. He has everything. He is complete. These are the things that are instituted for our sake so that we can grow in piety and love. And it's a natural thing to follow through the years and see the changing of time and celebrating it and marking it and then consecrating those days and those seasons to God. So it's an evolution of the Jewish practices fulfilled in Christ based on the needs of humanity and the way that human beings actually work.
1: Yeah, upheld, maintained, improved upon through the Holy Spirit and the church.
2: That's Mm -hmm. right. So again, we have the six or six and a half liturgical seasons. One of the cool things, again, with the church is that there is specific colors tied to all of these Mm -hmm. liturgical seasons. So if you're ever at mass and you're like... Uh, maybe Father Rich just decided, you know,
1: yeah. if you ever have those felt banners put up, you know, when you change the season out, you put the felt banners up.
2: Right. No, And well. the appropriate color.
1: <laughs> yeah, Father Rich doesn't wake up in the morning and say, you know, I'm feeling green today. I'm just going to pop
2: on my green vestments. He's like, you know, my, my baby blue eyes are looking great. I bet you this will look great with my red chalice. It doesn't work like that. There is color codes that define the season mm-hmm. that tie into symbolically. The nature of the season. So, so a good example of this is, you know, just even uh, this morning, I wore w- white because
3: it was a memorial. Mm-hmm. You know, we were memorializing one of the saints who is not a martyr. So, you know, white calls to mind also Christmas, Easter, you know, that we honor and we have come to discern that this particular memorial is of a saintly man or woman that. Has lived such a dignified life in the deposit of faith, and we have discerned her in a in a beatified state before God, in a saintly state. Uh, you know, thinking of Saint Paul and his scriptures, and 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 you know his reflections on sainthood. Um, you know, there, there's a long process, and we've talked a little bit about this, the canonization process of saints, but that's also canonical related because they entered into the canon, to the calendar mm-hmm. of the church. So that's right. these remembrances are very important. Um, so, you know, white, we wear at Christmas time, Easter celebrations of the Lord, except his passion, his passion, we wear red, yep. you know, for a martyr, we wear red for Pentecost. We wear red um, other feast days where we wear white or solemnities, uh, could be all saints, the nativity of John the Baptist, the Most Holy Trinity, the Chair of Saint Peter, the feast of the conversion of Saint Paul, and also permitted. And this is this is unique. So, for a funeral mass, for example, you have multiple options. Yeah, you know, you could wear white, you could wear violet, or or that purple color that we're accustomed to at Lent and, mm-hmm. and Advent. Um, you could wear black, you know. Um these are these are appropriate colors that you could wear at uh, at a funeral. Yep. Typically when I go through the discernment process of what color I'm wearing, um you know, it it depends on the deceased and their family that's grieving. You know, because the work that we have to do is the continuation of the work of Christ and a participation in the one work of Christ. So, in that respect, it's like, you know, I'm gonna wear Advent colors here because there's a need for kind of a generation from this yeah. uh, this darkness, or uh, and and we need we need that sense of of a new beginning. Um, you know, there there may be a need for black because this is a traumatic mm. death and it is affected, and there's just such extensive grief. Um, you know, or the most beautiful death that of, of someone who you know is nearing the end and, and they've lived such a holy life and it's just they're saintly mm-hmm. saintly people and the, the element of joy and the resurrection and, and uh, celebration could be appropriately white. So I, I typically discern, uh, but recently, you know, the tragic death of of Sophia and her murder, you know, her favorite color was pink. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wore the rose-colored vestments, which uh, is Leitare and Gaudete Sunday. It's where the church rejoices in the context of great suffering, mm-hmm. you know, in respect to the disciplines that are associated Relief with, from suffering. Yeah. With, with With respect to the disciplines of Advent and Lent as it relates to penance and asceticism and, and entering into suffering and anticipation, it is that relief, it's yeah. that rejoice, it's that praise that we give in the midst of the desert um, to God who is meeting us along the way because we are weak, we are limited, we'll never make it through the desert without his assistance, without his yeah. help and, and divine accompaniment. So, you know, these these colors, you know, white, red, violet, black you're hearing all of these colors well what's ordinary you know green you know and and uh you know we have
2: ordinary time yeah. and now ordinary doesn't mean plain or simple or whatever it means ordered ordered like as in ordination there's or an ordained, order to it. yeah so it's ordered to the calendar and it's focused on that season particularly is focused on the proclamation of the kingdom which again is the work. So, you know, green is very earthy, it's very ordinary, but it's also very ordered. And that's yeah. what the the symbology of that is. And and
3: also like the the sense of growth, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and 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 newness of of life, you know, the, the that there's something being birthed into mm. the labors of of the church and you know, th- this is Also a call for each of you out there, like if you're kind of lukewarm in your practice where you're only kind of going here or there in in your practice, like the sense of being ordered by the liturgy and your greater participation in it, you know, when it comes to works in the spirit, there's no greater fruitfulness. Mm -hmm. And the church is there structured in her liturgical calendar for you to participate fully and the fruitfulness that's before us.
2: So we've done a whole episode on liturgical colors and all the different vestments of what that they That was made. a fun one. So there's a link right up there right now. You can check that out. That was fun. Because you can just appear. Okay? Exactly. Yeah. Boom.
3: Boom. New different color, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: but uh, so you know, we have the, the six liturgical seasons. We have the colors: white, red, green, violet, black. Sometimes gold, sometimes silver. Mm-hmm. And we you can learn more specifically about that. Yeah, but and the
3: gold and silver briefly is is really just uh, for Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. You know, that's appropriate gold or silver. Christmas. Easter, some of your high solemnities, mm-hmm. and if you have a titular parish like mine, Saint John Paul II. If I had a gold vestment or a silver vestment, it would be appropriate on you know the nomenclature of your of your parish. Mm-hmm. If it's named after a saint, that's your high solemnity. That's your high feast of your of your parish, your titular, mm-hmm. uh, you know, name of your parish.
2: So that's kind of like a breakdown of the seasons, right? And the different colors associated with them, but I think it's also. To, good to understand that now the individual calendar is made up of days, right? There's specific feast days, and mm-hmm. they're categorized into, in the new calendar at least, and the old calendar, we'll get into that later, mm-hmm. but in the calendar that we use now in the church, they're into three main categorizations, right? You have solemnies, feasts, feasts and memorials. Do you want to talk a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah. And then in respect
3: to memorials, you have obligatory memorials, the memorials that the universal church mm-hmm. upholds, and then you have particular memorials like a, the small m memorial, which is an optional memorial. Yep. So <clears throat> solemnities are of the highest degree and are usually reserved for the most important mysteries of the faith. Okay. So we think of, you know, Christmas, Easter, All Saints Day. The most important solemnities of the church, the Immaculate Conception, Pentecost, you know, these, these are very, very important. <clears throat> they have the same basic elements as Sunday, meaning a lot of these are tied to a holy day of obligation. Mm-hmm. Sunday, we are obliged as Catholics to participate. From Saturday at the setting of the sun, we begin to observe mm-hmm. that calling, that holy day of obligation, Christ's resurrection. So, <clears throat> and then these elements of Sunday and these solemnities are the most important things for us to come
2: to grasp. There's- so doesn't like the, the literally, the liturgy and the things that you do, and I don't know how you keep all this in your head, but like the things that you do on specific dates will change. So like, you'll be sitting there and sometimes, oh, we didn't do the Gloria today, or we didn't do the creed, or we did do the creed, we did the litany, and like you don't ever think about it. You just think you, you do it, mm-hmm. but there's specific reasons and dates, you know, whether it's a solemnity, a feast or a memorial that you do certain elements, right?
3: Yeah, there, there is. And, and you know how I keep it in my head, you know, that's why we went to seminary, you yeah. know, seminary <laughs> was very, very helpful. Um, but it's also, you know, we, we've talked about this before, you know, it's one thing if you study it, it's another thing if you teach it. Yeah. And, you know, you know, and I'm not going to pretend on this show like I've got it all together and I I you know I just I think everybody knows that. I just celebrated <laughs> I just celebrated a uh the feast of the presentation of the Lord and I think I missed the Gloria. <laughs> you know? Wow. I just went in, like right into let us pray. You know what I mean. So it it, it, it definitely yeah. happens. more like I missed the creed. You know, Whoops. and and it's like <laughs> so it it definitely does happen, um, especially when you're at a, a you're you're a new parish and you're you're growing fast and it's like you don't have like a committee that's in charge of the yeah. you, know,
2: you don't have a liturgist or anything. exactly you don't have yeah. a liturgist. Uh, I don't have any of that. Okay. So
3: you know, God willing, we get down the road. We yeah. build. We we have that employed, but um. But yeah, so uh, basically with solemnities you're going to hear the creed. You're going to hear the glory. You're going you're going to sing these and it, it's proper that it would be sung. Um and in most cases, you know, there's going to be particular prefaces, you know, when you the preface the lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your you know, and that that prayer that that precedes the holy, holy, holy. Mm-hmm. Um, so a feast that honors a mystery or a title of the Lord or Our Lady or saints in particular importance such as the apostles or the evangelists, these are called feast days of the church.
2: Now, feasts a lot of times is kind of genericized. Everything's a feast, the Feast of Our Lord, the Feast of St. Lawrence, the, the the Feast of Our Lady, Queen of the Universe. So feast is kind of the common term, and these are all feasts, but they are... Some are solemn. Well, there's... But, in the technicality, it's solemnities, feast, and memorials. And what you're oh. saying here is that the technical term for feast is this. Yes. Yes. Okay. And and see, I didn't really even kind of you know, I didn't know that. Really. And it's
3: also like this should this should breed culture. So mm-hmm. yeah, solemnities about, yeah. and feasts, like this needs to be practiced in the home. Celebrated. This needs to be celebrated mm-hmm. at the church, not just with the liturgical right ritual and, and and you know exercising what holy mother church has set in the universal calendar, but it needs to be articulated with music and food and fellowship and and little uh you know customs that mm-hmm. your local area kind of generate in creativity. I, I'll never forget I you know I was sitting with um Cardinal Lorenzi many years ago Mm -hmm. in Rome, who's one of the most conservative liturgists in the church's most recent history, who is just such a phenomenal pastor when it comes to the proper way of celebrating the Novus Ordo, the Mm -hmm. new Ordo. Um, And he expressed, you know, because I was asking him about specifics, like, Kneeling and receiving on the tongue and communion, you know, uh, you know, honoring this or that, and like these different, these different particular customs of what people do in devotion, and and he expressed, you know, rich the the sense of the church and in, in setting the rubrics for the practice and the celebration, the proper celebration of the liturgy. Um, the church has given. Room for subsidiarity Mm -hmm. is given room for custom to develop, which means you know, out of the charismatic response of the people, there's something ever being born that's new in the in the practices of the customs surrounding these liturgies. That's why here at at Saint John Paul II, we have all of these different cultural groups propping up right now, and and then. You know they're they're doing a big feast for Our Lady of Guadalupe, a big feast for San Luis, uh, San, uh, San Lorenzo Ruiz, mm-hmm. and 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 so many others that are that are coming. The Joe Patty Festival. You know mm-hmm. they're taking ownership over it. There's processions. There's
2: there's processions with music and dancing and and the whole nine. I think a good example of that is like um, certain during Lent. There's certain dispensations granted by certain bishops in areas with a high Irish population to, you know, dispense you from some of your Lenten obligations on St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a- St. Joseph too, yeah. Yeah, There's a, or an, yeah, mm-hmm. an Italian or St. Joseph or whatever. There's some, like you said, there is some space to reflect that humanity is messy and unique to areas and st- and time. So that, yeah. that's pretty cool. But And as heavy as the heart
3: can get in the world, don't we need reasons to- break and fast and break the fast yep. and then enter into a feast together. You know, we, yeah. we need
2: that. So feasts then are specifically to, well, so like you have the feasts of the exaltation of the cross. Mm-hmm. That's a feast, but not a solemnity. Mm-hmm. Um, feasts of our lady, right? Mm-hmm. Those are feasts, not memorials. Right. Uh, or very important saints. <clears throat> you have like the feast of Peter and Paul or the feast of one of the apostles, right? Uh saints that are universally applicable and universally venerated and of incredible importance to the history of the church those would be particularly known as feasts and again on feast days there's some particularities of the mass that are different than maybe on a solemnity mm-hmm. or maybe a sunday in ordinary time mm-hmm. what are those
3: yeah so th- that's uh so in respect to what we were talking about um the creed or the gloria in a case where you have a feast, the gloria is appropriate. Okay. But typically you don't, you don't say or recite the creed communally. Okay. Um, And
1: unless it falls on like a Sunday, right? Yeah. If it's reserved for Sunday. Mm -hmm.
3: Always because that is, it is a solemnity. So Sunday, and that's a, that's a great way to segue to the point is like Sunday is a solemnity. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think a greater majority of Catholics know that. And when you think of what we're talking about, like this should be articulated in your life, like a feast day. Mm -hmm. Well, Sunday should be articulated in your life with greater importance.
2: Yeah. You know, I think a good point to make on that and talking about the way the calendar is constructed is that Sundays outrank every feast or memorial. Uh, Sundays don't outrank a solemnity. So if a solemnity falls on a Sunday, that replaces the... The, the the typical Sunday Mass liturgy and pastorally
3: the USCCB and the bishops typically will move yeah. solemnities as well. Yeah, to... we'll get
2: into the, the movable feasts, which is just some really cool things about that. I think what again the point I was trying to make is that Sunday obligation is so important that the only things that can possibly move it are feasts of our Lord. So not a solemnity of our Lord, which will always be or sometimes moved by the bishops. So and, and what you mean by that is like Christmas. Yeah, Christmas or Easter. Yep. Well, Easter and Easter is always, always on, on Sunday. Sunday.
3: But <clears throat> but Christmas in particular, yeah. I mean, we just had, the, when we think about this past Christmas, mm-hmm. it landed on Sunday. Right. For pastors, we're always like, oh, boy, we've just lost an entire collection. You know? <laughs> <laughs> And our operating budget, just on a business level, administratively, like our operating budget depends on... Uh, on, on Sundays. On yeah. Sundays. Yeah. So, And and also Christmas and the generosity of the people, yeah. too. So also, as, as good Catholics, keep that in mind <laughs> for right. your pastors
2: to save them some gray hairs. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, making sure that you're donating on every Sunday and on the feast days. And if it falls on a Sunday, good point. So that kind of covers feasts. So we did solemnities and feasts. Now we're on to memorials, which are the the uh they have the lowest primacy on the ranking of the days and memorials are going to be of your more general saints and the saints that are not universally acclaimed in the church or universally and broadly known and venerated mm-hmm. yeah and and there's
3: some as i mentioned before that are obligatory like we absolutely celebrate memorial yeah we celebrate this memorial in the universal church then there's optional ones like for me i don't have an option when it comes to John Paul II, right. the Universal Church has an option, really. Right. You know, yeah, yeah, they absolutely have an option. You know, and they do not have to celebrate that that particular uh, memorial. So, mm-hmm. I think that gives a gives people a, a better sense of you know the options. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, and and all of my sacristans and parishioners know. I opt to celebrate practically every Everyone. memorial. Yeah. yeah, you do <clears throat> because one, I love the saints, and two, it just gives us such a great way to begin to articulate that universality and that unity that Christ wants to see. He, he desires to see us as one. And you know, if if we get to know the saints, we need to get to know one another yeah. too. And and that's the whole mystery of what Jesus is trying to accomplish in our midst.
2: So one thing about those memorials is that during all of Lent and the last week of Advent. Any of the memorials can be just a commemoration where you just read the prayer of that saint, and then the rest is for that day. Yeah, and then the last kind of, and, and that's the that's very important uh-huh. when it comes
3: to Advent, especially with the the uh, ancient antiphons. Yep, and those liturgies are very solemn leading up to the twenty fifth, mm-hmm. which is the observance of Christmas. And you know exactly what you're saying. So I would be wearing purple mm-hmm. even though we may commemorate a particular uh, a saint martyr. within it right. mm-hmm. but it the the prominence liturgically is associated to these days leading up to christmas from i believe the 17th uh, all the way to the twenty
2: seventeen twenty four, and then the, 24th and so. then the last kind of outlier is all souls day mm-hmm. all souls day is not a solemnity but if it falls on a sunday it has precedence over the sunday mm-hmm. the, the the standard sunday liturgy mm-hmm. so those are kind of the differences of solemnities and 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 whole, you know feasts or whatever, and those are things that are kind of kind of convoluted. So I don't know how you keep it all straight. Thank God for the books.
3: Yeah. You know? Oh my goodness. And the only way that you're you're going to be, I don't think we ever get it perfectly straight and narrow, um, unless we're Germanic. You know yeah. everything is ordered and <laughs> but. What happens for me and what I experience in my in my priesthood and my practice of the faith is as I'm kind of moving through the calendar, the mystery of how God influences me in these particular days, like I'll anticipate it in prayer. And it's like, oh, that's it's the it's the feast of the Holy Cross. Or oh, like, and then you have these experiences, you know, providentially mm-hmm. that are tied to all of these amazing you know uh, amazing feasts and, and and memorials and and you you grow more familiar with some of these more obscure mm-hmm. saints in the calendar no mm-hmm. Ryan I know
1: practice. that you love the complexities of the liturgical calendar this is right in your wheelhouse this and, is
3: where he this, this is, is, he is where
1: you shine. i mean he guys okay, have awakened me from my ecstasy okay <laughs> but now
2: let's make it even a little bit more complicated and i'm doing this for you because i know you love the complexity and the rigor and the <clears throat> and the uh, precision of calendars. <laughs> I just love jazzables, man. <laughs> now we're going to get into the movable feasts. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to blow my mind, bro. Uh, so you can, like, move them? <laughs> so movable feasts are another category of feast days, and these are ones that are not tied to a calendar date. They're tied to almost always all the movable feasts are tied to the date of Easter because Easter happens on a different time each year. So a lot of the feasts then are marked by Easter, not the calendar date. So is you that have, why
1: I Google when is Ash Wednesday every year and yeah, it comes up with something different? That's exactly <laughs> right. Still on a Wednesday
2: though. It's always on a Wednesday. Isn't that
1: lunar related?
2: It is. So that's kind of cool. Easter falls on the first Sunday after the first full moon after the equinox.
1: Oh, uh, what's the equinox? That's the spring equinox. Spring. Yeah. Okay. okay, spring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the beginning of spring. Yeah, because like there was a full moon out there, yep. what, today or yesterday yeah. or whatever, right? So now it's like maybe the next full moon will be the equinox. So yeah.
2: Easter is the first Sunday after the, the first full moon of the equinox. That's right. That's so pretty it's cool. Complicated. And that lunar calendar, that's why we have differences in dates with the East, but whatever. But all these movable feasts are tied to the date of Easter. And it's cool that the bishops of any particular conference have to give an announcement. It's called the announcement of the movable feasts every year. Mm. And they say, hmm. uh, and yep. like, yep. like here's the one from this year. Wow. It's pretty cool. Announcement of Easter and the movable feasts for the year of 2023. Know, dear brethren, that we... As we have rejoiced in the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, so by leave of God's mercy, we announce to you the joy of his resurrection, who is our Savior. On the 22nd day of February, will fall ash Wednesday. On the 9th day of April, you will celebrate joy with Easter Day. In those places where ascension is celebrated on Thursday, on the 18th day of May, will be ascension of the Lord, and on and on and on. So they put out this announcement every year on the movable feast because... A lot of times people you know in the ancient times they wouldn't know when these feasts should fall so they would send these letters out saying because Easter's on this date calibrate your calendars let's all sync up
1: right right so I thought that was a pretty and, and, interesting little and then there's because of that it looks like there's a, a lot of other solemnities or feasts that line up with those particular dates that's right so mm-hmm. you'll have things like 90 days or 40 days from...
2: Pentecost. Pentecost. Ascension. Yeah, yeah. They don't fall always every year on March 17th, that's, like St. Yeah. Patrick's Day. <clears throat> and right. then
1: that's why they move them, because they get to be like be like Wednesday, and they're like, well, this is ascension, let's move it to Sunday, and then everybody gets all mad, and I just... I'm in ecstasy because this is a problem that You're is right. amazing but and that, so life then creates
2: all these weird liturgical scenarios, <clears throat> it's like, yeah. oh, well... Easter falls on this day, which means this day falls on a solemnity. But what has precedent? It gets pretty complicated, Mm -hmm. but I think it's pretty interesting. And they must work with like spreadsheets and stuff. They've probably got a. They do. They have a big Vatican (laughs) Excel spreadsheet, and they're like, "What do we do this year? What's going on with the moon?" Yeah, all right. It's definitely run by a guy like you.
1: (laughs) You Italians are known for your. Precision. Yeah. That's when you hire the German guy. That's right. (laughs) Hey, listen, this is going to be really exciting for you. I mean,
2: (laughs) you guys can build cars like no one else, but you can never get them there on time. Uh, Yeah, I love their cars. (laughs) No matter how fast you go. It doesn't matter. Uh, And then, so that's, those are cool. I mean, if you like that kind of thing, you like it. If you don't, just yeah. show up to mass and you'll figure it out. <laughs> and look, the easiest way to get around all this is just go to daily mass, and you don't really. Yeah, worry you'll never about miss this. anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, you see. So it
2: all. the final thing I think to cover about the liturgical calendar is the different reading cycles, right? Yeah. And this one is pretty straightforward, but it's also something I don't think most people think about. Um, so in our calendar, we have. Different cycles. We have an A year, a B year, and a
1: C year. It's a three-year cycle, and that's just for the readings on Sunday. That's yep. right. Okay, and then, and then the readings do... for the
3: day is oh. a is a two-year cycle. So oh, year okay. one, year two. Year so ten. if it's a, if it's two thousand and one, it would be year one. So you read the Bible oh, really? in a
1: year. Yeah. I didn't know that. So right. it's odd and even. Okay. you read the Bible every day. If you read the Bible every day, it takes two years to do the Bible in a year. Because Mike Schmitz has got something going on then. He can do it in a year, and a church can't even do it in a year. And you know who has something even greater going on than Father Mike Schmitz? Who? It's not me, that's for sure, <laughs> I'm no Father Mike
3: Schmitz. But let me tell you something. Hallow's got something really going That's out. right.
2: So if you get the Hallow app, you can go through all the daily readings, and you can do the Bible in a year, which is,
1: seems like a time warp. My uh, F- wife did it in Hallow, too, yeah. yeah. Uh, but so. she did it double time and did it in a half a year. Yeah.
2: She did the Bible in a half a year okay. with Father <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> but he's got catechism in a year. Yeah. On Hallow, you've got Jonathan rumi Mark Wahlberg, some incredible
2: Catholics. Sister Miriam, Sister Father Josh Johnson. I mean, you got to it's incredible the amount of material they have,
3: though. They have covered the rich heritage and history of the Catholic faith from the very beginning, covering different spiritualities and charisms, Lexio Divina's music. There's all sorts of aids to the spiritual life. And it's there's a reason why it's the number one Catholic app. Yeah, over a billion
2: people have prayed over a billion prayers have been prayed through this app. It's really awesome. So many resources, music, prayer, reflection. All kinds of uh, resources that that are very helpful to the Catholic life. So if you want to try it for free, go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow. Uh, our other sponsor that we love mentioning that we've worked with for years. They follow a strict liturgical calendar. They sure do. In many respects. And you know
3: they're known really primarily for Exodus 90, right. which was a 90-day treatment of asceticism leading up to Easter. That's so right. it, uh, they,
2: Exodus is a movable... F- feast because they tied their exodus to easter so right. exodus starts on a different year, day every year yep. which is a kind of you know that's kind of a thing every year about. whenever
1: whenever exodus starts i i from all my friends is chatter is always like well when does exodus 90 start yeah how do change different every year yeah. and this is exactly why <laughs> even when you
3: even when you google search it'll come up too yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. when does exodus 90 start but yeah. the, the neat thing about exodus is they are branching out and they have so much material even if you don't want to do a 90 day discipline, there's all sorts of things that they're doing where you can kind of follow these different prayer practices and fellowship and have some fraternity where you're disciplining your masculinity and really developing the virtues that are associated right. to manhood. So Exodus, we couldn't be more proud of that partnership, and, yeah. and we're grateful for, for their sponsorship. And how would they get to know or participate through our through Well, our if connection? you want to
2: participate, like uh, like 45,000 men did this year, you can go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Exodus, and you can download the app and find all the different resources and all the different ways that they help you become a better man. So check that out today. Now, the last thing, like this one, I d- I didn't know this because I never understood the logic of this until I re you know researched for this episode. So you have the years one and two, but A years, B years, and C years, and I've never made this connection. I, and maybe I'm just you know wasn't looking for it. But A years are primarily the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew. Yeah, that's B true. is Mark, Mark, C is Luke, mm-hmm. and then always Easter is from John. Oh, John. Is, and yeah. John is on all the fe- like a lot yep. of the feast days, mm-hmm. Easter, Christmas. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I've been going to mass for some forty-two odd years now. So and with Mark, a little gap somewhere Matthew, in between.
1: Luke, mm-hmm. Mark, Matthew, Luke, mm-hmm. A, B, C. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. And
3: then the first readings, that, you know, and typically the fashion that we have in, in, in the liturgical structure is usually from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. We're very familiar with that. Yep and reflects the important themes of the gospel reading. The second reading is usually from one of the epistles, a letter written to an early church community. These letters are read semi-continuously. And each Sunday we pick up close to where we left off the Sunday before. So we're not reading, when you look at it in like the the three cycles, ABC Mm -hmm. or year one, two, and you even throw the liturgy of the hours and you look at all of those readings, we aren't covering the entirety of the Bible, but we are covering really the very most important part Parts for us to come in to contextualize the revelation, the proclamation of the kingdom.
2: Yeah, I mean, you don't read from Numbers very often and take the accounting of the, the Kutra right. of the temple. Like, right. you're getting the entirety of the history and the message of it mm-hmm. with some, I guess, it's more like merciful brevity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah, it's kind of like the. Um the Old Testament and the New Testament and the contextual stuff yeah. that's said in there it always provides like mm-hmm.
2: like a typology yeah. back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah,
1: I didn't know that. A years are
2: Matthew, which you know. B years Mark, and those and aren't C years movable. Are Luke. Mm-hmm. Those are not movable. No. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Boring. Boring. <laughs> Can't move it. <laughs> Can't move it. So, and then I think you know the last point is that a lot of these calendars were changed. A lot of mm-hmm. the feast days were changed. I mean, if you went back. Before Vatican II, you'd have things like, you know, time before Lent and, you know, time after Epiphany and a lot of the feast days were moved around. But this is the calendar that we use now. But if you're interested in learning about the old calendar, uh, you know, if you have Latin mass communities, they'll follow the old calendar in their liturgy, which is just as good and just as valid. But we are covering the one that the majority of Catholics cover here today. So mm-hmm. that, my friends... Ride the calendar, up the
3: liturgical calendar. You guys are both calendar girls Boom. now.
2: And this is so,
3: this is so great. I'm, I'm grateful for a, a greater sense of the liturgy. We're all learning, you know, and, and it's we need to put our faith into practice. So we appreciate you connecting with us each and every week at the Catholic Talk Show. We hope that this has been a help for you to just get a basic introduction to the liturgical calendar and some of the colors that you see when you come to Mass. But again, just that encouragement, go to daily Mass. Yeah, You aren't going to miss a thing. And be sure to click that bell so you don't miss any of this it content. It is the
2: time of year to subscribe. It is the time of year to click. Click like and share. And it is always the time of year to go to Catholic Talk forward slash Patreon and help support the show.
3: Spread the good news wherever you find yourself this week, and God bless. We'll see you next week.
0: You're listening to the Lunchtime Podcast Sampler on Catholic Radio Indy, and we'll continue to explore the liturgical calendar right after this. So stay tuned.
4: Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today?
0: Alexa, what time is the Colts game today?
5: Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow.
0: Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, Alexa, Play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Do you like game shows? How about trivia? You're listening to Catholic Radio, so I assume you're interested in the Catholic Church. Catholic Challenge 2.0 is the newest addition to our programming lineup here on Catholic Radio Indy a 30-minute quiz show covering almost everything Catholic. Catholic Challenge 2.0 tests your knowledge and teaches at the same time. Check it out every Thursday afternoon at 4.30 right here on Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Scripture tells us that to everything there is a season— Our next offering on today's sampler comes from the Ascension Presents podcast series with Father Mike Schmitz. This episode that originated at the beginning of Advent takes a look at the seasons of the church and how they mark time in a uniquely Catholic way.
4: Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz and this is Ascension Presents. So, uh, some some of our students were asking me the other day, and I think this is a question that people get when they like, start going to Mass on a more regular basis, like during the week and whatnot, because we have these like, solemnities and memorials and feasts and all these kind of things, and they say, so what's the difference between a solemnity, a memorial, a feast, all those kind of questions, and I thought, that's a great question. Okay, here's the distinction. Um, There's solemnities, that's the highest, right? Easter, Christmas, um, some of the big days, all saints, Um, Here in Advent, we typically celebrate the Feast of the Immaculate Conception here in the United States. That's a solemnity for us. And you have the—one of the kind of markers about that is you have the Gloria and the Creed recited. So that's the kind of the highest. It's like Sundays. Not all of them are Holy Days of Obligation, but they're all big days, right? Second one is Feasts. That's the second highest. And those are kind of marked by, I guess, what you'd say—well, you have the Gloria there at Mass. So if you're wondering, is this a solemnity or a feast? If there's a Gloria but no Creed, it's a, it's a feast, and it's a great day. The next two are memorials, and there are the obligatory memorials, which, if you're ever reading the book, there's a capital M. Usually these are, these are Saint, saints' days or other kind of, kind of big moments in the church kind of thing, and there's also optional memorials, and those are, as the word would indicate, optional. Those are indicated by usually a lowercase m. Now, you have, so you have solemnities, feasts, uh, obligatory memorials, and optional memorials in Advent, or in any season of the church year. In fact, we're coming into the Christmas season as well, right after Advent. Then we have the ordinary time, then we have Lent, then we have um, Easter. The thing about this, I think, is the church tells us at various days, various times, various seasons, okay, this is a season for rejoicing. In fact, Advent is a season of devout and joyful preparation for the Lord's coming. Christmas is a joyful celebration of the fact that Christ has come and he will come again. Like, there's these seasons where the Church says, okay, this is the time to enter into penance. This is the time to enter into joy. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus (laughs) — people are complaining about Jesus. Jesus says, you're like children who will sing and say, you know, we played the flute for you and you didn't dance. Uh, We sang a dirge for you and you didn't mourn. And he says, you know, John the Baptist came uh, fasting and not eating or drinking. You said that he's crazy. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking. You said he's a glutton and a drunkard. But just, here's the interesting thing about this. As Catholics, the Church tells us, okay, this is a time right now of, of mourning. This is a time to actually enter into, it's okay to have grief. It's okay to have these times of like deep sadness. Like, you get to grieve. There's times it's like, okay, this is a time of joy. And so we need to celebrate. We need to have feasts. We need to have these kinds of, so the solemnities, the feasts, the memorials things, that is, we have the church who says, okay, there's a time for everything, right? Ecclesiastes. There's a season for everything. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to rejoice. There's a time to uh, embrace. a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to dance. There's a time to not dance. I think too often, maybe not you, but I think myself, I say, no, 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 I just, it's time to rejoice. No, I'm really busy. I can't rejoice. Or it's time to do penance, time to like really enter into depth. Like, no, no, I can't, I can't enter into depth. I'm too busy with my own, my own stuff. That's where there's something, something so good about the church seasons. Season of Advent, this season of preparation, immediate preparation for the celebration of the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. And the church says, okay, it's a time to intentionally rejoice. You don't have to be feeling great to rejoice. It's always a decision to rejoice. It's a choice to rejoice, you might say. Because joy, again, we talked about this before, joy is not just feeling great. Joy is not just being happy. Joy is this Pervasive sense of well-being, abiding sense of well-being, because you know that God knows you. Advent and Christmas is a time for us to enter into that season. The Church says, okay, this is a season of joy. So, I know your life can be crashing down around your shoulders. I know that there are real things in your life that are really weighing on you. Real loss, real grief, real tragedy. But you can also, in the middle of those, have real joy. That's why I just love, love the fact that we get to have our mother the church. You know, that's kind of one of the ways that um, Catholics have traditionally called the church, the church is our mother. That our mother the church gets to say, okay, here's a time, children, here's a time to dance. Let's dance. Here's a time to sleep. Okay, now it's time to go to sleep. Here's a time to rejoice. Here's a time to grieve. I think too often I have the excuse, no, 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 my time. No, 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 uh, I can't do it right now. But to imagine, like, what if I had the freedom? What if I had the freedom to when the Lord says, hey, rejoice now. Okay, great. I think a lot of us are— we hold ourselves back from real joy. We don't let ourselves even experience happiness. And I think some of us, we don't even let ourselves experience grief. We avoid sorrow. We avoid um, difficult moments or difficult conversations. Yet there's certain times in our lives when the Church says, mm. It is now time. It's now time. Now time to enter into depth, to grief, to mourning. Now's the time to enter into joy. This Advent and this Christmas, the Church says no matter what's happening in your life, you can choose joy. It's time to celebrate. From all of us here at Ascension Presents, my name is Father Mike.
0: God bless. Rounding out today's sampler, we turn to Joan Watson at 3-Minute Theology for her look at the liturgical calendar.
5: What is the liturgical year? Well, the church marks time differently than January, February, March, April. The church marks time by the liturgical calendar. The liturgical calendar is made up of seasons. We think of the penitential seasons of Advent and Lent, the joyful seasons of Christmas and Easter, the shortest and holiest season, the triduum, and then also the seasons of ordinary time, the seasons of ordinary life that don't fit those other times. In the midst of all of this, we celebrate the feasts of the saints. We celebrate the feasts of Christ and the feasts of his Blessed Mother. This is the liturgical calendar. What opportunities does the liturgical calendar give us? Well, first of all, I think it allows us to mark our time by the Lord. The Lord entered history. He came into history at a certain time and in a certain place. And so because of that, our calendar has changed. The liturgical calendar allows us to recognize this. It allows us to recognize things like the Incarnation and recognize the fact that we live our daily lives differently because the Lord became one of us. It also unites us to heaven. We think of the celebrations in heaven that in the book of Revelation we see is the Mass, is a liturgy. And so when we're celebrating our lives by the liturgical calendar, we're celebrating the same celebrations that they're celebrating in heaven. It's a family celebration. When we mark the feasts of the saints, when we mark the feasts of things like Christ the King, or the Immaculate Heart of Mary, We're remembering our family members in the church. We're recalling these great saints that went before us, this great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. And we're also celebrating these feasts that have been celebrated by the church since the very beginning. And we think of the people who've gone before us. You know, there was a time when the culture counted their days liturgically, when people would measure their time by the ringing of the Angelus bells, when they would think of feasts like the Feast of Saint Michael as a turning point in the harvest season. The people used to celebrate these liturgical feasts and mark their days by them, and we shouldn't lose that. That's part of our culture, that's part of our history, and that's part of our family. And so make an effort to mark your days liturgically, not just to think about the certain feasts that we celebrate of the saints, but what season are we in, and what can I take from this moment in history, from these feasts and these prayers, and to live differently, because you're living liturgically. And that's a little theology in three minutes.
0: And that's all the time we have for our exploration of the liturgical calendar here on Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. You can find this show in podcast form at catholicradioindy.org along with links to more of the programs we've shared. I'm Kent Blanford, and until next time, may God bless. Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? Podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7
5: at CatholicRadioND.org.